Mama! Mama! We made it! <laughs> what is, what is, what is Judo? <laughs> <laughs> The Ladies Harmon and gentlemen, uncle. your two favorite uncles, Uncle Nushi, Uncle Roushi, are back in the motherfucking building, and we have an extremely special guest here with us tonight. My brother Danny Williams. What it do? Bro? Hey, what up? What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? How y'all doing? Phenomenal. Awesome. Very good. I want to let it be known for the record: this man has taken his health into consideration, has lost a tremendous amount of weight. <laughs> And is looking mm. absolutely gorgeous at the moment. Thank you. You can thank just you. tell he's glowing right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For real. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this is well. one of the very first video episodes that we're doing, y'all. So enjoy. That's all I can say. For sure. How you been, baby? I've been good. Just got back from uh, Columbia. Columbia. How like, was the trip? Beautiful. Amazing. Phenomenal. It was amazing. I fell in love with that place for sure. I feel you. Your pictures yeah. were incredible, bro. Thank you. I Every- literally felt like I was in the back alleys of Columbia. Everybody said the photos you looked like they yeah. were right there. Crazy. So. And color- just the colors, too, in Cartagena. Is and Lily Bouchy had a honeymoon not too long ago yeah. in, in Columbia. In Columbia. It's amazing. Beautiful country. I, I, Highly recommended. I'm the odd apple out over here. Yeah. No, no Columbia experience. You got to go. We You'll do. love it. I, I, I believe that. You'll love it for sure. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you. Thank this you. Has been a, this has been a long time coming. For uh, It's an honor for us to be able to go through your journey on this platform. Thank you. For real. Thank I'm, you. I'm truly, I truly uh, feel that you know it's an honor for us and it's very special. That you're allowing us to do so. For sure. You know what I mean? Definitely rare, rare times. Yeah. I don't really let too many people inside. Like, mm. Absolutely. So. Well, I'm glad these uncles are, are, are ready to take it there. You feel me? Always. <laughs> For sure. My brother, let's start with uh, where you grew up. Were, were you born in LA? Native Angelino? Native. Born and raised. Native Angelino. Yeah, born and raised. What part? Uh, I grew up mid-city. Okay. So... You know where Kaiser is on La Cienega and yes. Cadillac? Yes. Right over there, like Point View. Wow. Like Point View and uh, like 18th Street. Oh, oh so. wow. But before that, I lived like Shenandoah off Cadillac, like by Robertson. So. Oh, that's where I live yeah. right around now. Yeah. Were you in that area for the majority of your early childhood? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Like my parents moved from New York to L.A. Okay. And then I popped out. But then they moved to like Riverside and Inglewood before they settled. Like right off Cadillac and Shenandoah. Mm. Got so you. From like one to ten, I was over there, and then from like ten on, like my mom moved by Laces. Got you. So, any siblings? Uh, yeah, brother, sister, and then a whole another side of just people that you know. Okay, I, I'm not really rocking with. But okay, yeah. For okay, sure. okay. What was childhood like? Uh, it was cool. It was fun. Like my mom, my mom is Jamaican, so. Jamaican women are extremely strong. Man, and that whole thing about Jamaicans having five jobs is like real. <laughs> like <laughs> elaborate. Like my mom, like she was at CBS for twenty something years, maybe oh, wow. twenty five years. So it was like when she was climbing the ranks through CBS, at yeah. the same time she was like running the pool at Rancho Cienega. She was working at Talbot's 
at the Beverly Center. She oh. was like driving old ladies around. She was tutoring like really just to like give us like we weren't poor, but yeah. she wasn't rich. Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right, so right. Just, just to hit that middle class yeah. mark of just comfort. Just to be like, mom, I want a Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. She Factual. could go get it because she had five jobs. Did you, know you recognize I mean? that as a kid, though? Like, my mom has five jobs. She's working her ass off. Or was it just so automatic and so just ingrained? You know what? I did recognize it because there was a lot of times where she wasn't there. Got so it. it was like, yo, I'm working. You know, I'll bring something home to eat on the way home. You Got know what it. I mean? So it was like me and my sister, my brother, we'd be like, you know. But at the time, you know, you recognize that your mom has multiple jobs, but you don't realize why. Sure. Or like, of it. Yeah. Or like what the financial situation is, mm-hmm. you know, because her and my dad split kind of early. So it was like she had to do everything. Yeah. You know, because I didn't really rock with him and like the rest of the family didn't really rock yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. Like now they do. I don't. But I feel you. It was just like it was single mom. You yeah. know, oh, wow. so, Can you take a second to literally just like appreciate the value and the strength of single mothers though. for sure you feel me 100 percent. like these women put their their lives and their own family's lives on their back and run with it for sure i'm actually doing a project about that coming so i can't really talk okay because it's in development okay it's about single mothers really so hopefully that's gonna be special yeah there's some real networks that are like trying to put their hands like Incredible, but like we're shooting soon, so I love it. Yeah, I love it. I I can't. I can't wait to hear more as it develops. For sure, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. What 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 were you like as a child? Hmm. And what was growing up in like the heart of L.A. as a child? You know what? Me growing up, I gotta be honest. Like my parents splitting up, like fucked with me heavy. How old were you when it happened? Uh. I want to say six. Mm. Okay. Some, somewhere in there. Got it. And just, you know, you see your parents together and then you see them not together. Mm. But then it's like, I saw like the fights and like the cops sure. getting called and mm. like the, I understood, but I didn't really understand. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. it, it fucked with me a lot to the point where my, te- I mean, my mom's already Jamaican, so our blood is like hotter. <laughs> so like my temper was just like out of control really and aside from that sorry i cried a lot too Mm -hmm. really like even on the baseball field and like sports like we'd be winning yeah but uh, something would happen i'd be so emotional like i'd be on the mound like crying but throwing strikes like you know what i mean was this like after like post it happening yeah it was post so like as you're growing up these emotions are coming out for sure and it was just like you know, they, there was times where like, yeah, we'll, we'll like do counseling or we'll like try to. But every time I'd be like, nah. Was it one of those scenarios where your parents or your mom kind of had to have that talk of like, listen, this is what's going down. This is what's going on. Uh, Not really, because I kind of knew what was popping. OK. And it was like to the point where like my dad would come to like pick us up and I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not going. Mm. But he'd like call the cops like. I need you guys to help me get my son to come with me. Stop playing. And they'd come and they'd be like, well, he's kind of. Stop playing. He's kind of like knows what's going on. He doesn't want to go. Like, we're not going to force him to go. Sure. Like that happened at least three times. Wow. So it's just like my mom never really was like, this was going on. But at some point she was like, you're the man of the house now. Because my Mm. brother was like in the bay going to school. Like he was going to Berkeley. Oh, he's much older than. So, got you. It was just like you're the man of the house. So, what was that like for you? Like looking back, 
uh, it was. I mean, it was cool, but it was also kind of scary because be, my mom's working multiple jobs. It's like, yeah. yo, eleven p.m. It's like just me and my sister. What are we gonna do? Let's eat some hot dogs, and For sure. crackers and cheese, or sure. make toast. But like, I'm like, yo, is my mom gonna make it back? You know what wow. I mean? So. For sure. And it's crazy to deal with like that trauma too, like as a For kid sure. and it's coming out like that. It's For funny because sure. you know you you actually hear about that more. I feel with adults. Actually, I've heard about it more with adults where you realize, you know, adults who have like anger issues yeah. or, um, you know, uh, things like that obviously stems from your childhood, right? For sure. And unless you like realize how hardwired it is, it's going to affect your whole life. But For as sure. a kid, to feel those feelings and yeah. like feel that angst yeah. and feel these angers so outwardly as a kid. Yeah. You were an emotional kid. For man. sure. I was definitely an emotional kid, and I feel like I'm still an emotional person. For sure. But that, that's important. So many, yeah. it's because it's so easy to hold that in, especially sure. Absolutely. being yeah. in a position of like man of the house. Yeah. Where I'm, did you battle with like, I got to toughen up, or did you ever feel like, uh, why the fuck am I crying? I need to. I think like the crying stuff was like a result of holding in emotions mm. and then like letting it get to like a. A boiling point, yeah, where it was just like ah, I didn't crying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. A release, exactly. But it was like I don't feel like I had to toughen up at all. I just feel like I don't know. I just dealt with stuff that most people weren't dealing with. For sure, you know, for sure. So I feel like that toughen up mentality that you can have, especially as a young boy, yeah, around other peers who are playing sports, for sure makes you have those issues later on because you're you're trying to conceal so much definitely and and definitely. holding it in and being like nah I'm I'm, I'm all good but yeah. it's like you're raging inside for sure it was just tough cuz I understood I understood what my dad did you know what mm-hmm. I mean like you cheated you know you cheated mm-hmm. on my mom and like you broke up the family so mm-hmm. it was like I saw that and I was just like resentment for sure to yeah. this day for yeah. sure like my my siblings fuck with him. Oh, can I, I curse, right? Absolutely. Yeah, my siblings fuck with him, but I, I just can't. I mean, he, there's even, we'll probably, in later years. For sure. We'll get to like something in this combo where I'll tell you other stories that Got it. how my relationship with him, mm-hmm. you know, came to like breaking <laughs> points, you know what I'm saying? But it was just like, from jump, I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. What was your What was your school experience like early on? Uh, my mom actually did a great job of doing the school stuff right. Like she had me in magnet schools. Like mm. I don't, I don't know when they tested me or whatever. Yeah, but like she made sure she made sure like the school was, you know. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to a school like a kindergarten called Alpha, which was like a it was like a private like Montessori type thing, and then I went to Marcus Garvey mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, and then from there, I went to Baldwin Hills Elementary, which is like a it was like an accelerated magnet. Awesome. And then went to Palms, which had like a another magnet. And then Hamilton High School on Robertson, That's a magnet which too. was a humanities magnet. Yeah. Wow. So then they had Music Academy and all that other shit. So yeah, whether they funneled us that way or like you know friends, you're like, yo, where are you going next? We like we followed each other, whatever. But my mom made sure like the school was you know legit. Were you were you always on top of your studies? Was that something that was like bestowed upon you by your mom? She did, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't I didn't listen. Gotcha. Like I'm a notorious 
B minus C plus student. Okay. Not because I'm stupid or I yeah. can't do the book work. I could kill that shit, but I just was like bored. Gotcha. And just like probably still thinking about family stuff. For sure. Just thinking about just like other stuff. I just hated school. I loved being in school, but yeah. just the book work was just like not my thing. Mm-hmm. At, at, at that at that point in those times, did you have outlets? Like was there things that you were finding that you liked more? Or that you were more uh, drawn to? For sure. My mom had us in all that stuff. Like, even before we can go outside and play, she'd like make us recite like the multiplication tables. Awesome. Like, you gotta do all tell me all I the twelve the twelves before you go outside. What's wow. eight times seven? You know, like just she would drill us on that. Yeah. But like in terms of outlets, she'd like enforce like arts and crafts. She'd enforce camps. That's incredible. Like Okay, this summer you go on a USC camp to be with, you know, your friends and be with black people, but then she'd switch it up the next year and send me to UCLA camp. Mm. You know what I mean? So she, I don't know what the foresight her, she had, yeah, though. She bro. was just on some, I don't know her vision back then, but <laughs> yeah. she had it. Like, and then, you know, she, you know, say, yo, they have music at school. Like, you should pick up something like flute, violin, whatever. So, Either or, she was like, you got to do something. And the sports was heavy. Mm. So, like, I played sports from from jump, from, like, mm. seven years old, like, all through high school. Yeah. So, that was a major outlet for sure. Like, I definitely thought I was going to do something sports-wise until mm. I, like, stopped growing. Like, once I didn't, didn't hit six feet, I was just like, yeah, it's a wrap. Well. Yeah. <laughs> so, well what, I, what was your sport of choice? Uh, I love football, but I love basketball, too. Mm-hmm. And I was really good at baseball, so. Got you. Yeah. The trifecta, for sure. I, I feel played all that. three the whole time. Were you time. were you a creative kid? Definitely, for sure. I like we were drawing. Like me and my sister would draw and paint all the time. Mm. But then around like ten years old, like I feel like I started like getting into photography. Oh, because my really? Mom, she moved from Jamaica to New York when she was twenty or twenty one. Mm. So like she was saying, the culture shock from moving from Jamaica to New York City was just like, you know. Tremendous, bro. Like, to go from that country to New York City Polar at 21 opposite. years old yeah. is like, so she said she was just, like, blown away. Yeah. So she dealt with it by having cameras and, like, wow. taking photos of stuff. Wow. So when we were growing up, you know, we might not have the newest toys, but there was always, like, stuff laying around it would be like this weird looking <coughs> camera here or this disposable there or a film camera there she'd be like here 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 wow so like i started like just picking up those things and just like you know snapping away mm. and she always took photos of everything like she has the craziest photo albums really and then it was a point in time where like my i would i remember my dad having like a couple cameras around too mm. so like at a young age like the camera was like something i like gravitated towards for sure incredible for sure yeah yeah it's crazy like how we we think about film then versus now for just sure. like being like it's so um every photo means so much especially because you don't see anything yeah so um, i always think about that dynamic of photographers growing up in this age versus like like 10 year old kids now versus 10 yeah. year old kids back then Crazy. where you had like a disposable camera and you're taking a shot and you're going to see it in three weeks from now when like you send it to like <laughs> for real right like thrifties like yo yeah. let me get that for sure yeah 
and just the the creativity that you had to do and the risk that you yeah. had to do like all right let me let me get this shot and yeah that absolutely exercise. yeah i remember being in high school and like convincing my dean and like the head of the humanities of like I don't know what the name of the project was, but as a senior, you have to like do like a thesis or like everybody's writing like 50 page essays and they're doing like the craziest thing. And I was just like, look, I'm going to do a photo essay mm-hmm. on Los Angeles. It's going to document A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, can I do it? They're like, yeah, just start it and start showing us. So I'd like start taking photos. Just like I followed my friends all summer mm-hmm. and just like a summer in L.A. for us, you know, yeah. being 17 years old. And I just started like developing the photos and started showing the dean. He's like, "Yeah, just do fifty photos and you're good." Wow! So really? at that point, like high school is when like photography and film like really took a turn for me. I was just like, "Yo, this could be something I'm into." You That's know? interesting. Like my mom, she would always have us like running around like on set because she's at CBS, so it's like. She'd show us the prices right said. She'd show us like soap operas, walk us through the hallways and just like, so like being little, like I saw that stuff, but like it didn't really click. But then obviously I think subliminally, like it just, like I just started seeing like, okay, film and photography could be something that I'm into. That's so, incredible. Yeah. That's like a majestic wonderland, like going through, especially as a kid. It was crazy. Like I would like all the little jacuzzis and that people were winning on TV. Like I was like peeing and jumping around <laughs> like, before they won. It, so that's cool. I must, uh, especially coming out of sports. Yeah, something because I want to kind of touch on that too. Like yeah. when you're when you're an athlete and you're all in on it, thinking this is what you're gonna do, it really can consume you for sure, um, and also consume your identity. It's not yeah. like mm-hmm. tons of athletes are necessarily creative, yeah. Even though they may be, it's just like the time spent is for sure, right, you know, being physical and, and working out, and, definitely. Um, so to make that leap, that jump, yeah. Did you? Was it? Did it feel natural, or did it feel like risky, or did it feel like you were discovering kind of a new part of yourself? Um, like, what was that? That kind of like leaving sports to go pursue kind of this. That the shift? craziest thing is, it wasn't a immediate jump from sports to film photography first, because mm-hmm. in high school when I made that jump, I was like heavy, like in the record industry. Like, cause my brother used to manage the Black IPs. He worked oh. with like Cypress Hill, House Whoa. of Pain, Montel Jordan. Like, he worked at Buzztone Management and Immortal Records. So Got it was like, it. he would always bring back stuff, you know, early, mm-hmm. like to me. So like, music was heavy in the household. Oh, like wow. my mom has like thousands of records. Oh, so like, really? she's always, she's always playing music growing up. But my brother being in the music industry, I thought that. That that was what I was gonna make money in. Like I thought, okay, I'm gonna graduate high school. I'm gonna work at a record label, be an A and R. This is your older brother. Yeah, my older brother. So, twelfth grade is when I made the full jump of like leaving sports because like tenth grade, I like started a street promotions company. Mm -hmm. It was was called like Unlimited Forces or something. You know, (laughs) back then Wu Tang is huge. Yeah, just like. We had a crazy name. That was in, in that time. That was like an incredible moment for yeah, hip hop. That was crazy. Like I grew up in the greatest era of music. Like to me, so it was like I just said to myself, like, all right, I got eight homies. I know ten record labels that I met through my brother. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna write a proposal. I wrote a ten page proposal, like on whatever it was back then, 
And I just detailed to each label, look, I got A people. We're going to do A, B, C, D. We're going to drive to every high school there is. We're going to lock down 10 high schools and promote whatever projects you have. So I hit up Loud Records, Def Jam, Death mm. Row, Columbia, RCA. I had 10 record labels giving us like $2,000 a month. Crazy. <laughs> 10 of them. And this is 10 this is 10th grade. Wow. So like we we get that money. We'd give like the homies like, you know. Did did that did that kind of initiative come from your brother having a knowledge base or how'd you uh, even get to the point of writing a proposal and saying, "Look, I see this being a marketplace yeah. that I can add value to." He was he was in promotions and marketing and management, but I think I just said I see what's missing. And it was, it was the high school kids. Like, it was wow. like, at that, you know, back then, there's music videos, like, but everybody was like pitching to the adults. Sure. I feel so I was you. just like, why can't somebody come perform at school? So I was doing that. I would tell the record labels that we were dealing with, yo, there's 2,000 kids in my high school getting the alcoholics or Mob Deep or Wu Tang or somebody from Wu Tang come perform at lunch for 30 minutes. They'd be like, yeah. <laughs> to so them, like, they're like, wait, hold on. How did we not think of this? Yeah. So I was like doing that. And then I just wrote the proposal and I would just give like the homies, I don't remember what I was giving them, but yeah. it obviously wasn't enough because it, like, <laughs> it dissipated after a while. But it was to the point where I was just like, I got into an argument with like the baseball coach because I had my hat backwards and he's like, yo, if you don't give me 50 push-ups right now for your hat backwards, you're off the team. But by that time, we were making $20,000. Unfucking like, real. So I was like, 50? I'm not doing 50 push-ups. You know what? Fuck baseball. Wow. And I just walked out the locker room and from that point, 11th grade, sports was over. Wow. And I was just like, I'm done with sports. I'm making money. Crazy. Music is what it is. Like, wow. And then... How the music tied into the photography was we didn't get paid until we physically went to the events, passed out the stickers, the posters, the T-shirts, the merch, took photos of everything, mm -hmm. had to go develop the photos, mm. bring the photos back to show the label. This isn't like you, you can't email the label. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. had to shoot, develop and take it all the way to Santa Monica to show them. Yeah. Then we got our check. Wow. So it was like, even back then, photography was tying into, sure. you know, what I was doing. Mm. So high school was when I just. I want to I want to take a second and ask you this, because yeah. it seems like it got to a point where you kind of became. Developed into a leader for sure amongst the pack for sure. Right. What was what were your your friends like and what was the group that you surrounded yourself yeah. like to yeah. develop into this um man it's crazy because my group of friends were like we actually kind of mimicked like a wu-tang okay you know what i mean like yeah not that i sought out you know having a group of friends that were like the best people at school or like the most interesting but i just gravitated towards those people. So it was like the people in my group, a lot of them were MCs. Mm. A lot of them were actors. And then the rest of them were like real street dudes. You know what I mean? Like I was the only one that grew up on the West side. Yeah. Everybody else is like, you know, some of my friends that back then had never been to the Beverly center. Mm. Wow. You know, cause they grew up on 106 in Avalon. You sure. know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, 
the, that's who I was surrounded by. Like people that, you know, also had other goals to, you know, be an MC or be, you know, an athlete or be a rapper or be an actor. So, and one of my best friends actually was an actor on Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. So like we, you know, we didn't have the best of the best, but we were able to like get to places mm-hmm. for sure and get into things that a lot of other people weren't. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? Like, I remember going to Summer Jam and seeing Biggie. You know what I mean? Or just being in the House of Blues at 15 years old. Crazy. You know, my brother looking at me like, what are you doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> You're not old enough. And, you know, back then my mom was just like, look, you can go to whatever you need to go to, but you have to get up at 7 o'clock and go to school. Mm. So, like, back then I was like 14, 15 years old. I'm going downtown to watch Mob Deep. Mm-hmm. And like these are these, and they're doing shows that And we don't have Uber and these types of things back then. Let it be known. No, there's none of this. Like we had to get on the bus. We had to beg yeah. for rides. We had to like do a lot of stuff to get there. Absolutely. Like, to, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something or a spot. Imagine Jay Z performing at the dime on Fairfax. Crazy. Mm. Imagine that. Yeah. So like that's when I saw you know the greatest Unreal. in venues like Unreal. that in such an intimate vibe you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it was like those those are the days that i like grew up mm. so it, it was fun that's a, that's a, that's a what, special time man. what's what was it like for you and what you kind of learn through the process of working with these labels and also working yeah. with connecting kind of like the label sphere and the artist world yeah. with the youth culture yeah because you you kind of seem like at that point we're not only the glue and the bridge amongst your friends. Yeah. But you also just, with that being said, became the conduit to the record industry and the youth culture. And also LA in and of itself is a natural bubble for sure. When it comes to media and entertainment, like in LA, in New York, in these select areas, it's like, it's vibrant and robust. Definitely. Um, I think the first thing was that, was learning that, you know, business-wise, they didn't give a fuck how old we were. Mm. Okay. And everybody would try to get over. And then even at that time, there were, like, other street promotion companies, you know, grown men, whether, like, I mean, at the time, we're 15, 16. Sure. Yeah. The people we're competing with were 30 years old, 35 years old, 36 years old. So it was like, not that it was like gangs, but it was kind of like warriors. Like, For sure. There, there wasn't just one promotion That trips company. me out how yeah, archaic yeah. it was. Yeah, like, like, that old? So like, it was like, people were like, yo, like, you heard of those kids? Like, yo, how did they get that account? How did they get Death Row Records? How did they get Columbia? How did they get... Mm-hmm. It was like, my brother kind of threw alley-oops, like, you know, right, my right, little right. brother wants to promote, like... So it was like, I learned that a lot of people would try to double-cross us because of how young we were, mm-hmm. but also that we had to have our business together. Mm-hmm. Like our contract, our proposal had to be together. And just, we learned a lot by building relationships with people. And sure. I use that to this day. Yeah, I, I sure. truly believe it's, you know, it's what you know, but it's also who you know. Absolutely. And relationships go further. Like, absolutely, we wouldn't just you know, get on the phone and say, what do you guys have? Like we ditch school and drive to Santa Monica and just kick it in the label mm. and just really build with the project manager, whoever was like giving us. Were you pages. guys utilizing 
the you the like the juvenile nature of your age and just asking questions and then oh, yeah. being the being dumb per se and oh, just yeah. figuring all the little loopholes out because sure. it's like damn it's a fifteen year old kid asking yeah. me that. right you're not we, a career promoter yet yeah yeah we 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 use that to our advantage but at the same time to go what you said with the youth thing like we really played on that like just having ideas like there was this group that uh, be real had it was a group called Cycle Round mm. and like their logo was like like a, a character in like a gas mask. Mm. So we were like, yo, what if when Psycho Round was performing, what if all of us put on gas masks and throw the merch out from the stage? And like, I just remember the label just like, oh my God. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, like if you think about it, like it's the most corny idea, but it was like, we came up with that For idea. For sure. Right, the right, label right. didn't think about it. And they were just like, yo, that's dope. So like even back, I think to this day, like labels, don't know what they're doing but for, even back then they had no idea for sure what, there's a small percentage of people in labels that are really in tune with what's going on in the street and mm-hmm. know what they're doing absolutely but a large majority in my opinion have no idea like they got that job through knowing somebody else yeah or you know because you can only really know by being in the trenches for sure yeah that's for what sure. a lot of people like the, the biggest misconception is like just because you're in the system doesn't mean yeah. like you have the gateway. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it, people always say, you know, not industry, but in the streets. Mm-hmm. And we really, you know, were, we're in, in the, the streets. streets yeah. Because you know, we had to promote Crenshaw High, Dorsey High, LA High, Uni, <sighs> Palisades, Hamilton, Westchester, like Locke, Manual Arts. We hit every high school. You Unreal. know, real. Like just five people to a car. That had to be crazy. Pulling up at leaving our school to like get to Westchester at 3 p.m. when they let out and just handing people like like when Wu-Tang's second album dropped, we had 50 CDs, 50 records, 50 cassette tapes. Like we had it before it dropped. Unreal. And just like seeing kids go crazy was like because we were all experiencing hip hop and what was going on at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that, that's the, the interesting part of it because, you know, when you're a kid, like, you're going to go either work at, like, Jamba Juice or, like, <laughs> right. Sports Chalet, or, you right. know, <laughs> right. like, Anger Blue, whatever you got to right. do. For sure. It's but, like, we, we couldn't, we couldn't just, we couldn't stream or, like, see if something was going to be dope. Like, sure. you yeah. had to look at the you photo. You had to see it you in gotta, person. Or, like, look at the album cover, like, yo, this might be dope. Mm. You know, so, like, listening and growing up through hip hop was just a whole different time. And also the work you're doing isn't just like just a a, a normal job. It's like there's something much bigger going on here. And that's kind of what I'm curious about is like this thing isn't just about let's just do this to get money. It's it's, it's so wrapped up in a community. It's so wrapped up in a culture. For sure. In a time and what you're into. How did all those really come together and like what what motivated you to like really keep that going? Because as a kid – you you know it's like a tug of war between just having fun right. and working nobody really wants to work as a kid for sure how do you do you kind of keep that that growing into an actual business honestly at that time you know at that age you're super um you know kids are kids can be what's the word when like kids are influenced by just what they see on tv I mean, impressionable kid mm. we were very very impressionable mm. like when woo wear is dropping for the first time ever mm. we said to ourselves like why don't we have clothes 
So a week later, we drew our own logo, took it to the screen printer. <laughs> I feel y'all. Printed it up, to the maximum. Yeah, over man. Here. Printed up 50 hoodies, 11th grade, you know, hoodies, T-shirts, beanies. Like we had our own shit. Mm. But it's because we saw people we wanted to aspire to be like sure. doing it. Mm. You know, so it's funny. Like even like people say like all these clothing brands and like we was doing that 10th grade. Wow. Like. Clothing is not my passion. Yeah. But I know we had clothes in 10th grade. I feel that, you. This is doc. I have photos like I'll send you whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> like, So it was like at that age, we were just like we did it because we loved it. Mm-hmm. But it was also kind of that dream that none of us wanted a nine to five. Mm. Like none of us. And it was just like, what can we do? And what a gift to have that that, that early, that bro. That young? Like that early, bro. Like, Cats are thinking that in, in, in college and they're ahead. Man. You know People what I'm saying? People are thinking that in their 30s. You mean, like, <laughs> I feel like, you. What? None of us wanted a nine to five. And we were always, not that we thought the music stuff was going to be our lottery ticket. I mean, obviously, when, when we we're 15, we were like, by 18, we're going to be rich. <laughs> by 21, we're going to be rich. So we were always chasing like... You know, because at that time, when you see Puffy and Mace in the desert coming through with the Rolls Royce, or you For see real. Biggie driving in reverse, or you see Tupac, like, we were watching, like, gods almost, like superstars. For real. So we were like, how can we, you know, get on that level? So it was like, we got to build our own company. We have to make our own clothes. We have to, you know? So that's incredible. That was always a driving force. We loved hip hop and we loved the culture and mm-hmm. we loved everything that we were doing. But at the same time, we were like driven by wanting more, mm. you know? So what'd your mom think about all this? My mom is so old school and so Jamaican. She was half like stay out of trouble, but half like, yo, go get a real job. Mm. You know what I mean? Like to this day, my mom, like it was just like a couple years ago, my mom kind of let off me. <laughs> And was just like, all right, I see what you're doing. I get it. For the longest, she's like, go get a real job. Join a union. Go do, you know what I mean? Like, Buy the books. Yeah, she she has no idea what the music business is. She has no idea. Even being at CBS, she still has no clue. Wow. Like, she just, she she didn't believe in it, you know? Like, even with my brother having multiple jobs, she just still didn't. Mm. So, and the relationship between you and your older brother is pretty good. Pretty good, very good. Yeah. It's all growing up, very, for sure. So he I mean, he beat me, he beat me up a couple times, but I mean, <laughs> every, every older brother is going to do that. Yeah. But our relationship was uh, it was very dope. I mean, he liked a different style of music than I like. You know, he liked Public Enemy, Eric B and Rakim. He liked, you know, Run DMC. He grew up in that era. Yeah, gotcha. one so generation was like, before you. So by the time I was growing up and Master P and Tupac and sure. all those people were bubbling, he was looking at it like, what the fuck is this? You know I what I mean? Because he grew up in what they considered to be real hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I grew up in what, you know, is considered to be when hip hop started turning into successful rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was, you know, obviously there's that like, oh, you're younger than me. You don't know shit. You know what I mean? So it was like. It was that big. He was kind of a father figure, but at the same time, like he kept it on some brother. Like, mm-hmm. so we had a good relationship for sure. Incredible. And me and my mom's relationship is like amazing, unbelievable. Like, the closest person to me for sure. For That's sure. real. It like, must feel sure. good also to like have independence 
at such a young age yeah, financially. For sure. You know, um, going back to kind of being the man of the house. But yeah. I, I think like just from he- hearing what you, you've gone through so far, was that a part of this too? Creating like, I'm going to be my own man. I'm not going to depend on anyone. I for need sure. to take, not only take care of myself, but everybody around me, I'm going to be the guy, not just my family, my friends. Like, was that personality kind of blooming? For sure. Definitely. Like, you know, it got to the point where it's like, I'm tired of asking my mom to use her car. I'm yeah. tired of asking my mom for money. I'm tired of asking my mom, can I go? You know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, I always was pushing to like build my own. Mm. And she at the same time was kind of pushing that too. Like, there's going to come a time where I can't help you. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. you have to do for yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just like, even if like, you know, when we were doing the label stuff and I had my own money and could buy my own you know, clothes and shoes. Like it was, I know it kind of helped my mom. Like, okay, for he's sure. not asking me for everything. Like for sure. he's asking me sometimes, mm-hmm. but he's not asking me for everything. Cause you know, when, you, when you're that young, I mean, we were blowing money on like stupid stuff. For sure. You know what I mean? We cell phones, two ways, clothes. Like, so there's a time where it's like, damn, like school is coming again. I blew the money. I got to ask my mom again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yo mom, can you buy me those Bruce Smiths? <laughs> you go on Foot Locker. She's like $200. Like I'm not buying $200 shoes. You know what I mean? So for it was real. like, I definitely pushed to like have my own and I'm still pushing to like, you know, I don't want to ask anybody for anything. Yeah, yeah You yeah. know what I mean? So how do you feel you developed as a young man going through that process, especially mm-hmm. with that being a kind of the precipice of yeah. you going into like a real world transition? Yeah. Right. Like right on the brink. How was that for you developmentally? Not only um, just like in terms of like, I guess, self-confidence. Yeah. But also in terms of your perception about possibilities right. moving forward. I mean, I think all of that really happened when I left L.A. to go to college. Mm. Like when I I went to San Francisco State Mm. and I wasn't going to go. Okay, But it was like my mom was like, cool, you don't have to go to college, but you can't live here. So at that point, I was like, well, I'm not ready to like be a grown man yet. I'm Mm. not ready to move out and stay in LA, but move out of this house. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'd rather still have ties to the house, but I'll go to college. Mm-hmm. So like when I went to college, it really, that was like the wake up call. Okay. Like you can't ask your mom for everything. Mm-hmm. Like you're not in LA anymore. So like you have to, I made that jump to like, I don't know, just being a, a full man. I always tell everybody like LA raised me. But the Bay made me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the Bay really, like, I grew up in the Bay. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's when I became a man. You became a man. For sure. Like, first weekend in San Francisco, getting on BART to, like, go visit some girl in Richmond or something. Daily City BART Station, my first weekend in the Bay, getting on the BART. I turn around, this guy gets stabbed, like, ten times. Stop playing. I'm just just standing there, like, all right. This, it's time to grow Yo. up. Get off the BART, El Cerrito del Norte in Richmond. There's like six guys there. I'm like, I look like I'm from LA. I got khakis. I got a button up shirt. I got a pick in my afro. I got chucks on. Yeah. I get off the train there in Timberland boots, black jeans, pea coats. They start chasing me. Stop. This is the same BART trip. 
run, I'm running down the stairs, got to run in the target. I'm hiding in the target in the men's section. Yo. So you wait, you just step off the train. They just see you. Yes. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's not from here. And you just wow. So I look, I gave one more look and then all of them are just coming. There's like six of them. And oh, I can fight gosh. one or two, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fighting. I don't have anything to prove. I'm not fighting six guys. For yeah. sure. So I hid in like the men's doctor section, just like in the, you know, the circle <laughs> oh, thing shit. that they close. Yeah. So I'm hiding in there for like 30 minutes. Oh my God. And it was just like, yo, like this isn't LA. You're not in high school. Wow. You got to be a grown man. Yeah. You know, and they left and, you know, it was all good but like school and college really you know that really let me know like it's time to grow up did you know people in the bay at that time i didn't the good thing that saved me was a lot of people from la were going to cal a lot of people went to sonoma state a mm-hmm. lot of people went to hayward some went to usf san francisco state so like you know people are oh, you going to the bay cool like We'll try to like meet up. Mm-hmm. But like when I was going there, I didn't really like know anybody else. What made you leave the promotion hustle? What was that like transition? The thing that killed that was going to college. Okay. Like when I left to college, everything I earned and knew and everything I did in the record label was done. Was that something that you had to weigh in making that move or what was that for you at that uh, time? At the time, I thought I was just going to be able to go and come back and still do what I was doing. But like within like a couple months, like, you know, phone calls stop and just like my my boys like kept doing it. But it just like slowly but surely like just evaporated. It's just it's that, it's that thing that, you know, is the key, like relationships. If Absolutely. you're not there, it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like all the music industry stuff was just out the door and you need leadership you in need those leadership, positions sure. you know what i'm saying like there's there's teams but like teams are rallied around yeah charismatic leaders and Definitely. operational leaders yeah. and the ones that are like putting it all together yeah and it was just like all right music industry stuff is done you know okay so sports is done music is done i'm here for film mm. so then i just switched again like now i gotta go full throttle on film so the Bay, like, once again, it's just like made me a man and showed me what my career was going to be. Mm. You know, and school kind of like guided me to that. So it kind of just brought a passion just like to the forefront. So when you say like it made you, you know, when people go to college, that yeah. first year is so important, right? Yeah. Like I always attribute it to the first time going to the grocery store and getting groceries and the first time you're buying, like, all right, I need something. You get, like, Nutri-Grain bars. Right. You get, like, some junk food cereal. <laughs> and, like, and, like, a couple of apples. And you realize, like, this, I can't make a meal out of any of this. Right. <laughs> you know, clue what you're doing. But just those, like, little things that from being chased and, and, and being by yourself and probably, you know, acclimating to the city, to the new weather, to, sure. like, new people new north northern california might might as well be its own state for, for real. sure for sure like it's nothing like southern california nothing at all um and it's even far more spread out for sure yeah for sure so i kind of want to like, go into it a little like that first year that first kind of new person that 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 was being made yeah in the bay that process of, of just with yourself who you become right um, before I went to state, San Francisco state, before I went there, I was like, all right, film is kind of what I want to do. So like I applied to 
SC film school didn't get in there. I think I got into Pitt, which has a good film school. I think I got into Northwestern, didn't get into NYU. So it was just like, where can I go that's far enough from here, but not too far? Mm. So once I read up more, you know, they were like, yo, San Francisco State has the same curriculum as Cal, as Berkeley. Like, you can go there. So my first year in college, they basically, I flunked out, basically. Really? I was on academic probation my first year. Like, they sent me the letter and, like, had me come in and talk to them. And they were like, listen, you have, like, four Fs, a D, and a C, and something else. I couldn't. I thought that I could just get up at seven a.m. and eight a.m. and go to class like how we did in high school. Yeah, but the bay just slapped me in the face. You know what I mean in terms of party. Elaborate. In terms of the weather, one. Okay. Parties, two. Okay. The weed. Yeah. Drinking. Got it. Just like just all of that. I thought I would be able to like. Balance the shit. But I wasn't. And, and no mom. And no mom there to help. Mm. Nobody to lean on. You know, everybody's trying to like and no, figure Nobody it out. to tell you to be up by seven. Nobody to tell yeah. me that. Or so, get your shit together. Yeah. It's going yeah. south. Exactly. Join so, a union. Because the bay. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> the bay, the pace is a little slower than here. Yeah. So I was still, I mean, in high school, I won class clown. So it was like. I had a bunch of friends. I was popular. So in the Bay, I'm like trying to like still hang on to what I had in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I use that to kind of gas everybody else and like use that. But what happened was I just leaned on it too much and I lived it out too much. You wore yourself then. Yeah. And I just wasn't doing my work. Mm-hmm. Got you. So then they were like, yo, if you don't get your grades right, you're out of here. So it was like second semester got my grades right, mm-hmm. you know, and just really stuck to it. So, was that a necessary wake-up call for you at that time? Definitely. Because when I told my mom I was on academic probation oh, and picking me out, she lost her shit. Oh, like, yeah. She, she was imagine. just like, yo, you, you're, you better get it right. <laughs> so I think um, I kind of forgot the initial question you asked, but uh, lo- knowing what my passion was going up there a little bit, mm-hmm. but then getting there and really uh, – only focused on one option like helped me a lot yeah like i didn't go up there and i was like oh maybe i want to be a poli sci major or biology or english or what i knew this school is good for this let me just go up there and do this got you so i mean it also tests yourself too like test your true character right we realized growing up especially like i grew up in la my whole life then went to college that's a very rare experience for for a lot of people to stay in one place definitely noosh moved around so many people move around right but you realize when you have that experience how comfortable everything is and the second you go out um everything changes like you're you're challenged immediately your identity like you can't lean on those things that like everything's just like who am i where am i what am i yeah um it seems like you didn't discover that till second semester. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and then the, the funny thing was second semester, um, I don't know where I got that knack from, but producing was like something that I wanted to try. Producing music? Yeah, producing music. So I met like another rapper that was like from Oakland and he was like going to the studio. So then I went with him to the studio and I was just like, I started asking them, like, yo, do you guys have internships? And they were like, you know what? We do. 
They were like, we can't pay you, but you can use anything in this studio that you want. It's a million dollar studio. Dope. So I gravitated towards mixing just mm. because they had a huge SSL board yep. there. They had the two inch reel, the tapes and all. I learned all that shit just by doing it every weekend. Yeah. And so then second semester, I started like buying pieces of equipment. You know, like I bought mm. an MPC, I bought an ASR, I bought mm. another piece, I brought a, a MIDI controller. I started like piecing together, like, cause I was, you know, photography and film was my shit. That's my passion, but I was still trying to find, like, mm -hmm. is it really what I want to like do? Like, you're calling. Yeah, like, is this really what I want? Oh, music's kind of, cause I still like went back to that music thing. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? And then once I graduated from school and I came back, I wasn't living where, my music equipment was so like if you're trying to make music and produce and mix and if you if you don't wake up and start doing that shit right away or if you don't wake up in the middle of the night and make a beat or if you don't do that shit every day you will lose then you're not doing it right you're not doing it right and you will lose any skill set you have mm -hmm. so slowly but surely that passion went away too mm. and i was left with the first passion which was film and photography so for a while, even in college, I was still trying to like, you know, figure it out. I mean, I'm uh, majored in radio and television, but it was only because I got caught cheating like one semester before I was going to get my film degree. Oh, yeah. Like it was that back to just like not doing all your schoolwork. So like we had what some, was that like for you? That was it was kind of scary, too. Wait, how'd you it, get caught cheating? It was like a film theory class. And basically, there's like 50, there's like maybe 50 to 100 people in the class. You take the test, you leave the class, they come back, they pass all the tests out. So we grade each other's tests right there. The teacher is not grading it. Oh, wow. So I would leave with my test and then come back <laughs> thinking, like, all right, I'm going to grade my own shit. <laughs> like, just because, once again, I didn't study all the book shit that I was supposed to study. Like, yeah. I was doing all the, I'm great with operating cameras, lights, rigging, all that shit. Like being hands on in film is like my shit. Yeah. But like this class was like a book, a book smart class. Like, yeah. The numerical stuff involved with film. So it was just like, I'm a great my own shit. But I didn't know that the teacher, when he took the test, this is the first time he ever did it too. When he took the test, he made little notches on each paper. Oh. I don't know if it was a red marker or a pencil or whatever. Oh, but when wow. I turned in mine, oh. mine didn't have the notch on it. Oh, wow. So he emails me like two days later and he's oh. like, listen, I know what you did. Wow. You can either get kicked out of school oh, for cheating or you can change your major. Wow. And I was just like, not telling my mom this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for real. Yeah, so, <laughs> So I, at that point, I was just like, this is some real shit. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to get kicked out of school. I just spent, first of all, I flunked my whole first year. So this is what, my fifth year. What was going through your head? Well, I almost shit myself. When, <laughs> like, in that meeting, like, yeah. I was just like, like, when he told me that, I was just like. The blood drains from your face. Yo, for real. So heart yeah. sank, heart left yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I was, like, pretty scared. And it's funny. Like, I, I got away. I thought I was getting away with it because all high school like i mean we didn't tap on this but aside from the music shit there was like a whole like street element a shit that we were doing also mm. that we got away with 
So like being in the Bay and being from LA, like just kind of gassed me, like you can get away with it again. Mm-hmm. But like I didn't. And he was just like, listen, I will report you. You have to change your major or you get kicked out. Wow. So at that point I was just like, all right, well, what's the closest thing? And I was just like television and radio. Mm-hmm. A lot of my film classes had already counted for that major. Gotcha. Oh, nice. So it was just like one more year, you know, my fifth year, I'd be able to do all my film, my TV and radio classes yeah. and get my Becca major. So I got lucky. Wow. Like I could probably still go back to state and take whatever classes I need and get my film degree. But I can't like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to. So yeah. it was like. I don't know. I just, I got lucky with that for sure. So wow. I'm a radio and television. I have a BA in radio and television when I really should have it in film. Mm. Yeah. So that's, wow. that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked yeah. up. But it's all good. That's, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you survived college, though. I survived college. <laughs> you survived the Bay and you survived yeah. college, bro. I don't know how I did it. Like, wow. Honestly, I don't know how I did it. Like, and it was to the point where people were like, damn, Danny, you graduated? Because, like, you know, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry, man. seriously, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> man, because I would like, I don't know, I was just like, I, I wasn't the kid that was like walking around with books in a backpack. I just wanted to like be on the quad and be in the center of college and just like look like I was just chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had already put my stuff in the class before class started mm. i'd go drop my shit off and then come kick it gotcha. so when everybody's looking at me they're like yo he doesn't ever have any books like does he do his work <laughs> like what's the deal yeah. so like all those kids didn't graduate because they were trying to like i guess kick it too but i was like really going to class and yeah. like really doing my shit mm. for sure that first year just had me like shook yeah super shook like what <laughs> during the time period that you were the film major yeah was the curriculum helping you? Were you like embarking on your own scenarios to kind of like navigate in your own trenches or was it just like we in film school? That's an amazing question. Like the funny thing is we kind of felt like that. Like we did more hands-on stuff in in high school than we did as a film major. Mm. Like in high school, we were making music videos, TV shows, talk Mm. shows. We made our own commercials. We made like snap into a slim gym commercial like we were making our own like shit like legit stuff so then when i went to school that curriculum up there was very like geared towards film history film theory and like book smart stuff Mm -hmm. and they didn't technicalities and the minutiae yeah and they didn't really give us the hands-on stuff that we needed but the tv side like let us like really touch everything mm. really like, editing software cameras mixing boards control rooms all that shit the tv shit gave us that so but the film shit didn't was that lightweight a blessing for you it was wow it was like to be honest it was because film stuff i can honestly say i only remember like three films i saw in college but i don't remember anything else they taught me mm. wow like i saw citizen kane in college i saw sunset boulevard and probably Vertigo. Like, those three movies I remember seeing in film school. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know any teacher's names. I don't know any books. I don't know anything they taught us. Wild. TV side, I remember all that shit. But I didn't really learn until school was over. I didn't really learn until I was doing it my own and fucking up. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. being in the trenches and doing our own shit mm-hmm. for sure is when I really learned the most. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to latch on to other powerful, successful directors. And I learned like being under them and Got like it. being on set. But like school, I'm not shitting on school. Like I definitely think, you know, based on the school, kids yeah. should go. Yeah. But I feel like the best teacher is just doing it yourself. I mean, and I feel like, you know, this is a lesson to the youth also. Like, whatever system you're in is a system that you're in. It's literally like the padding or just the framework. Right. Like, there's nothing stopping us from utilizing college as our testing ground. For sure. Just because you're in a curriculum doesn't mean you need to just stay locked in and do what the schoolwork is. True. Like I think, you know, even looking back in college for me, yeah. right? Like we had our own hustles, like doing different clothing lines, this, that, and the other. Yeah. But like we were learning based on just the actual doing. Right. And one of the one of the things that I feel like, you know, especially in in my world, in our world, like we couldn't wait to get out of school. Man. But at the same time, looking back now, it's crazy yeah. when you get older and you look back. Yeah. The freedom to fall and fail for sure. and still be able to just get back up and go to class again for sure. is far different than the real world when you got responsibilities, you got bills. Let's pray to God that you don't have a, 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 a my bed out of nowhere, just a one off baby that you didn't like plan on yeah you know what i'm saying for sure (laughs) but like there's there's freedom in that and the freedom to fail and the freedom to fall forward and the freedom to just find yourself right you could use that anywhere high school junior high elementary nothing stopping that until that's in our framework definitely um transitioning from graduating through college yeah right graduating from college i'm gonna say what was that transition for you like? And what, what was it that really started getting you active in just like gung-ho pursuing the film element? And what was your, mm. what was your mentality yeah. coming out of school? Like, Man. was it hunger? Was it like, I'm going to get this regardless? Was it, I'm going to need to find what I really want to do? How am I going to do this? Yeah. What was that feeling for you at that moment? Dude, the funny thing is like, it's funny that it always goes back to my mom. But like... From the day I like got back, she was just like, you got to get a job. <laughs> like, like my mom is relentless. I feel like, you. She's the type of like she bought me Sega Genesis whenever it came out. It was like two fifty. before we got out the store. She was like, yo, you have to pay me back. <laughs> so it was like I'm keeping this receipt. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like the day I got back to L.A., she was like, you have to get a job. Yeah. And I was just like. I never had a job, like a nine to five. Like, well, I'm not getting a job. So it was like, I just started like grinding. Like the music stuff was done. It was just like, okay, what can I do to stay within the realm of what I want to do? Why, why move back to LA? Man, I, you know, the Bay was like, after five years, I was just like, yo, I got to go. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah. Like the Bay is an amazing place. I always tell people I would raise a family either Absolutely. in LA or the Bay. Yeah. Like I love the Bay, but I left like right before all the rent like stuff started happening. Mm-hmm. And it was just like my roommates were like going to the supermarket and they were like, Yeah, we're going to the supermarket and then we're going to the Presidio, then Golden Gate Park, and then we're gonna get ice cream. This is the day after graduation. I was like, Word, word, word. I was just like, yo, I'm done. Like, mm. I packed up all of my shit when wow. they went. 
and I drove home. Stop. Before they got back from the market. Stop. What and made you do that? I was just, I was done. You're like, yo, I got to get the I got to leave. I, I was just like, all right, I graduated. What else do I have to do here? Wow. Like, I'm done. So then when they got back, they were like, Danny, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at home. They're like, no, we're at home. I'm like, no, I'm home. Like, <laughs> I'm home. I'm home, home. Yeah, like, I'm in LA. They were like, what? <laughs> And then, like, the girl had already gave me, like, the deposit back and everything. So I was just like, yo, I'm done with this place. So being back in L.A., it was just like, all right, now it's game time. Like, how can I make some money? And the first thing that I knew was I could be a PA. Mm. Like, I could be a PA on video sets, documentary Mm -hmm. sets, film, whatever. Sure. So... You know, there were some jobs that was a hundred dollars a day. Some are like two hundred dollars a day, like max. So it was just like, I'm going to do that until I can fully take the leap of doing what I wanted to do. Mm. You know what I mean? So So, you went into that knowing you wanted to just soak game for sure. It wasn't just let me get a job. Let me kind of just figure this out. It was like, I'm going there. This is going to be my job, mom. Yeah. I'm getting paid here. For sure. But I'm going to go yeah. really navigate. Definitely. So, like, being a PA definitely was, like, an alley-oop to myself to, like, just see, like, okay, you're dope with the camera, but maybe there's some other departments that, you know, you'll see. Like, maybe there's sound or there's, like, lighting or, you know, you'll figure out one of those. So, even while I was being a PA, there was, I would still do, like, odd jobs just to survive, you know, like working at a summer camp or like just just random shit you know what i mean so it was like before i could like fully take that leap of only being a director and a photographer i had to build like some years sure so then from being a pa i graduated to working under successful directors and then once i did that for like five years like my big bro like Paul Hunter he's like a huge director he mm. did Aaliyah One in a Million he did Biggie Unreal. Hypnotize <sighs> Tupac Scarface Smile <sighs> Moulin Rouge with all those girls in yeah. it mm-hmm. he, he he did everything like he's done out everything all about the Benjamins mm-hmm. so like working for him those five years I did everything casting coloring being on set getting Incredible. coffees like how long from when you started PAing yeah Till you built that relationship with Paul, was it? Um, it was first like I had to be a PA on set, and then I was a PA at a production company in the office. But I would also like ask the different crews in the production bays, like, "Yo, what jobs do you guys have coming up?" Yeah, because I was getting three. I was only getting three days a week because like mm-hmm. the office manager was kind of like he was a hater he wasn't a hater because he wasn't in our same realm he wasn't there was nothing for him to hate on yeah but just naturally as a person he was a hater (laughs) so like he he saw that everybody in that office fucked with me he saw that i could go do runs and come back fast he saw that i was good at being a pa and he just didn't like that everybody fucked with me so he only gave me two or three days a week Mm. so at that point i was just like this is i can't this isn't enough this is three hundred dollars yeah so like I got to ask these people in these production bays, like, yo, you guys, can I PA on set? So I do the office and PA on set. But then on set, you know, the director, I mean, there's not that many black PAs at this, at this point. There are, but there's not that many young kids that are black and like doing dope shit. For sure. So like the directors are gravitating towards me and the directors are like, yo, like, I want that kid to roll with me. I want that kid to pick me up. I mm-hmm. want him to like be on every job. Mm. So. I latched on with this guy, Little X, mm. who 
learned from Hype Williams. Yep. Mm. So like I ran with Little X for like a year. You know, how was that? That was crazy. Like I heard about Rihanna like six months before anybody heard about it. Like he would get the music. He his thought process kind of bled into my thought process in terms of creating ideas for videos Mm. because he'd get like maybe seven songs from the production company. Like Mm -hmm. the labels want you to do these seven possibly. Mm -hmm. We're going to put them on a mix CD. You put this in the car. So he'd put the seven songs in the car and he'd drive around all day listening to the same seven songs. Mm. To this day, when I'm developing ideas, I do the same thing. Mm. I'll listen to a song the whole day, whether it's on the computer, the phone, the car. That's my same thought process. And I got that from him. Mm. So like I ran with Little X, Chris Robinson, Hype Williams, uh, Benny Boom. And then at the Christmas party for HSI Productions, which was like the main company, I was like there with like two girls, like one of the only black guys there. Yeah. The other black director, Paul, walks in. He's looking at me like, who the fuck is that dude with two girls over there? Who is that? Yeah. So he comes over. He's talking to me. He's like, yo, you want to work tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. I was like, what do you want me to do? He's like, yeah, I want you to PA on my job. So like six in the morning, I'm on a GMC commercial and like they have like a like a huge stage. It's all black. Like it's kind of like this, like the shiny, mm-hmm. the shiny floor that the mm-hmm. car sits on. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I guess whatever floor they got was like a bad batch. So like I had to peel all the plastic mm. off of every single plank. So I was laying on the ground the whole day. <laughs> Peeling. Paul watched me land bloody fingers and everything the whole day. It was like, yo, I don't want you to pee on set anymore. I want you to run with me three days a week. Wow. Then three turned into four, five, six, seven days a week. Crazy. I was running with him for five years. Unreal. So there was like three years before I met him. But then once I did, it was another five years of working for him, under him. Mm. Within those three years, what was it within you? You know, naturally, the ones that, that actually make a mark right. tend to develop a way to be indispensable. Right. For you, especially in that youth, what was it that you started learning to become that not only that sponge, yeah, but also somebody that could add value where it was necessary? For sure. Sometimes you can't. You got to find that line between overstepping and yeah. kind of being the the little homie. Also, for sure. What? How was that developing within you? Because naturally, it's like build, 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 yeah. and then this Paul opportunity comes on, yeah, and you've built this kind of rapport. You've you've dealt with different directors in that same elk and you kind of have more of like your own personal groove if right. you will i think one of the thing, the first things that helped was the whole time we were grinding just trying to live and make money we were also trying to build a company mm-hmm. so like the other fellow pas that i worked with were also aspiring producers directors photographers so i just went back to what i knew from high school was okay Let's scoop up the dopest creative people that we have access to Mm -hmm. and let's create something. So I created like it was called CTC. It was called Cut the Check. Like I never told anybody what CTC was, but it was like CTC is going to be my production company. So like I I would scoop up the best because I didn't want to direct at first. Like I wanted to produce. My mindset was if you're the producer and you can get 15% of everybody's job, Mm. that's going to be way more money than just that one director's check. So I gathered up like five or six guys and I was just like, all right, I'm going to use my 
old music industry contacts to get the artists videos that we need. Mm. So I like you said, like being indispensable, but I just figured out where I could fit in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yo, like we're missing like our own production company. We're working for all these people at a bigger company, but let's have our own shit. Mm. So what happened was trying to get those guys jobs. A lot of them didn't have the same thought process, didn't have the same drive, didn't have mm-hmm. the same vision, didn't have the same like ideas. So they would like not write treatments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we would start losing jobs. And I was like, look, if you guys don't want to write them, I'm going to write them. Mm. So I started writing treatments and then people started fucking with my ideas. So they were just like, Danny, you direct it. You do it. So then that's how I started directing. Wow. From other people not wanting to do their job. Unreal. So I never wanted to. Like I knew I could just from my lensing and photography and my love for photography. I Mm -hmm. knew I could. Yeah. But just, yeah. It's so interesting the the polar like opposite of who you are in college and in school and yeah. who you are in career for sure and job like two completely different people definitely one is like the dude's just trying to get by a little insecure yeah. unsure of himself for sure fearful yep and the other is just like confident leader for sure just it, it, it's shout insane. out to mama though too she yeah. gave she gave him the yeah. welcome back get, get a job though yeah, yeah for sure she still to this day is like she calls me every day with some shit <laughs> do, you think, do you think she was like a, a like looking back on kind of that and being back in la with yeah. even on maybe a subconscious level do you think yeah. your mom was that kind of foundation for you to be that person you know what she, I think she was because she she was very open like she never like hid anything mm-hmm. like she preached like open communication tell me everything that's incredible don't hold anything back let mm-hmm. me know how you feeling like when you're mad tell me you're mad if there's a problem speak on it right there so wow. like she kind of cultivated like that's incredible she she definitely had her hands on like who I became mm-hmm. just in terms of you know being in tune with all emotions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's very like, rare. To this day. And especially for somebody that was uh, was going through emotional roller coasters sure. to be able yeah. to have that yeah. rock, but also have that person that's saying be open and be just for give sure. it to me as is. Yeah. That's a release in and of itself, for no? Sure. Definitely. She preached just be open. And I think that that allowed me to Forget about sports and realize I have promotion. Oh, promotion's done. It's okay to let it go. Mm. Like you're st- like she was cool. Like you're still gonna f- figure it out. For you know sure. what I mean? So I think she definitely like allowed me to be who I ended up to be. There's also like an accountability too of of being back home. Yeah, and um, you know, in college you can hide shit. You can right for sure. Like, I don't know I if mean, he knows shit. that you cheated, he, he, but Danny, yeah, yeah. Danny was over there hiding <laughs> yeah. it until he couldn't. No, yeah, I, had, I, had, I had to hide like a lot of shit. Like I had sure. to hide like a, a pregnancy that almost happened. Like, just a bunch, just a lot of shit that I that I still like slowly but surely tell my mom. Mm-hmm. Like because there's, there's just like just a whole another side of me that my mom doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Just off of. I didn't want to give her the stress. For sure. You know what I mean? There was some shit like where we we, we got locked up here and there and she was wow. the only person that could come give me. So she knew like the other shit we were doing, but it was just like, 
I don't know. There's still stuff that I only tell her. Absolutely. Because I'm still kind of fearful of just that mom, just like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? You know what I mean? (laughs) For sure. And I think all, like, all of us kind of have that with parents where you all, we all try to like please our parents. Absolutely. But we're all. And hold back until we can't any longer. For sure. Like, I'm still scared of my mom. I feel you. Likewise. But being back home, like, that accountability to you can't really hide anything as, as well. Right. As you can with your mom here. Um, it's it's kind of like no bullshit. Get to right. work and, and be your best self in that sure. and, and discover that person. Um, it's just, yeah, the, the juxtaposition of people yeah. is, to me is so fascinating. For sure. Um, of, of yourself, like these two selves of like, you know, here, this this crazy leader, ambitious sure. kid, yeah, um, hooligan at times, hum- yeah, hooligan, hooligan at time, yeah, but also humble too, like sure. being, being really didn't work those seven days, yeah, and and Absolutely. being knowing that like I don't need to be at the top right away, like right. let me soak up game for sure and learn from the best and That's be a around huge the best, trait to have. definitely, and, and get on the floor and until my hands bleed, definitely, like those are interesting characteristics about yeah. yourself coming right after like cheating on a test and right, fa- right. like failing yeah. now right, first, right. like it's just it's, it's yeah. a interesting qualities did you ever have like those moments with yourself of of reflecting on that at the time of like man i i gotta get my shit together this is not who i am or in that self-discovery phase uh i did and i think one of the things that always like stuck with me is i forgot who told me but they were like paying dues never stops mm. Like to this day, I still believe that. And my whole journey, I was just like, no matter what's happening, I know that I'm paying my dues. Like I could remember jumping in a trash bin to find Hype Williams' cell phone. Wow. Like being a PA on that job and he's looking for his cell phone. He's like, yo, whoever finds my cell phone is like, I don't know what you're going to get, but you're going to get something. So like they were like, yo, Danny, get in that trash can and like get the phone. So I'm like in the dumpster, like looking through. I found the fucking phone. Like I didn't get shit, but it was just like, and you didn't even have a second thought. You it, it was just like, oh, trash. Yep, I'm yeah, in there. For sure. like, this I'm a PA. It's get it done at that point. Get it yeah, done. get it by done. any means like, necessary. And I think uh, a lot of kids today like lean on the fact of technology and mm. social media, and a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people look for the shortcut or the yeah. easy way out. When I was coming up, there was no shortcuts. When you, when 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 we were like, and when we were coming up, we also didn't have everything plastered of what best life looks like. For sure, you know what I'm saying. For we're sure. not desensitized into how great everything yeah. can be. Sure, for sure. You know what I'm saying like the idea and the possibility of greatness was still vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Definitely. nowadays, you just go on Instagram, search your hero, and you're seeing all that. Yep. Yeah. Back then, you'd see the video, you'd see this, but you didn't see the day-to-day. Sure, sure. You didn't see the little trinkets that were like, oh, shit, well, that's what I want, all this. That's a great yeah. point. It, and, it, and it's yeah. crazy because I feel like, especially like the youth in, in, in our eras now yeah. are a little more desensitized right. to the grind and also desensitized to what the journey actually is because we falsely like it's like a mirage we falsely think we're seeing it yeah but the narrative is not how it's playing out. Not you know what I'm saying? The narrative is the little bits and pieces we want to be seen. Yeah. Nobody's going over there saying like I thought about killing myself yesterday. Man. You know For what I'm sure. saying? For sure. Or 
I'm heartbroken that yeah. my girl left me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cats are just out here putting their best lives out. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? And and, it's, and, and especially in that era when it was still vague, that whole, like, no task is too big or too small is vibrant in that hustle and the trenches. For sure. You just got to do what you got to do yeah. to get to where you want to get. That was my whole thing. Get it done and just keep grinding towards the end goal. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Just... I just always was just was like, yo, I'm not going to be a PA forever, but I'll do it as long as I have to. Mm. You know what I mean? So at the same time of being a PA, we were we started shooting our own stuff. Mm. Awesome. You know, like I think our first music video, the budget was like six hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Like I bought bagels and bananas, you know, and took like a little speaker and like we got it done. But mm. then like every job we said to ourselves from here. We'll just get bigger and bigger, For you know, sure. little by little. Like we don't have to like do an amazing video. Just don't fuck up, but just get better and do something different every time. Mm. Was the goal? You know what I mean? Incredible. So it went from six hundred to seven hundred to a mm-hmm. thousand to you know just keep going higher and higher. Mm-hmm. It's like everything I do is like the business card for the next job for sure nobody remembers what i did three years ago five no. years ago like it's it's on my instagram but nobody scrolls like, yeah and to have that mentality and know that that yeah. literally like sets the mark for how you approach this for shit. sure like i always approach every video like it's my last mm. and even if the budget doesn't allow me to best my last video I'm going to do something where I challenge myself or do something that challenges the artist. That's mm-hmm. incredible. But also just do something different that I've never done before. Like I, to this day, I don't feel like I have a video where I repeated an idea or repeated like a theme, you know, every single piece of my, you know, works are, are different, mm. you know? So, I mean, that's always the goal just to, you know, do something different and just get better every time. Absolutely. Yeah. How were you liking the process of all this? And when did you really like know you were all in on this path? Hmm. Damn, that's a good one. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but it was just a year where I didn't have to PA one time and I didn't have to like work an odd job or work at the summer camp or you know whatever i was doing or i didn't have to like hustle or like whatever i was just like yo i made enough money this year as a director where i'm gonna you know push forward with it Mm. so i don't remember when that was but it was like a couple years after leaving paul hunter he kind of gave me like the push. Mm. There was it was like December seventeenth. I don't know what year it was, but he was just like he put me in his office and he was just like, "Yo, Danny, you've done everything in this position that you can. You have to do your own shit." Can you take us through that experience of the five years with Paul? Man, that was that was some crazy some crazy times. Like I saw like the best of the best. Like from traveling to Miami for a TI video from being in a trailer on a NASCAR commercial, but writing the treatment for Justin Timberlake, my love with the other <laughs> assistant to flying a private jet to Tracy McGrady's house for an Adidas commercial to coming up with the, some of the ideas for Gwen Stefani, Hollaback girl to him wanting to leave the color session early but me just having to sit there and watch and make sure everything's all good or you know seeing Chrissy Teigen you know audition for 
Justin Timberlake, My Love. Just like mm-hmm. it was just a, a plethora of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, going to Mariah Carey's house and, you know, seeing her come down in a wife beater and boy shorts, you know, asking <laughs> me if I want wine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like anything and everything. Yeah. Those five years was like. You know, it was it was it was crazy. and on the highest level on the highest level did and you enjoy it i loved it i loved it and i learned more under him than i ever did anywhere mm. and i still tell him to this day like i remember what you did like eight years ago i just did it last week like you know whether it was like a casting choice or like a color choice or just like certain things i pull i think i'm great at pulling references from different people and making it my own mm. even with like eating better and like trying to get my lifestyle better just in terms of like losing weight or whatever like everybody had their way of how to do it danny do this do this do this and so out of the 50 things that you know i read on facebook from my friends telling me what to do i pulled what i wanted to do mm. what i knew would work for me yeah so i did the same thing in film you know, Paul might have did this or X did this or they did, but I'm going to do what works for me, you mm. know? So after those five years, he was just like, you've done everything. Mm-hmm. Like you, he pushed me. To, most people have to take that leap on their own. I wasn't ready because I was making good money. They were paying my cell phone bill. They were giving me mileage for everywhere I drove, had a credit card to buy whatever. Like I wasn't ready to take the leap. You were comfortable. I was comfy, super comfy. But he was just like, yo, like, you've done enough. Mm. You have to do your own shit. What was that like for you? I was scared shitless. Like, in his office, I was like, I almost cried in the office. Because it was just kind of like, yo, big bro's telling me, like, enough. Wow. So I, w- I never told him that. But yeah. I know he probably saw it. Yeah, like, for sure. He like, knew what the fuck was like, going yo, Danny's on. Danny's about to cry over there. Like, am I getting fired? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I kind of thought that, too. Like, am I getting fired? And it wasn't like that. No, no, no. Yeah. Because at the same time, he was just like, yo, you know, you can use anything you need to use. Yeah. You can call me whenever. And then literally, I think he kind of knew because when he pushed me to take my leap, he also left the com- the bigger company he was at, mm. and he started his own company. Oh wow! With a, another executive producer over there, so it was like both of us it was time. doing some shit. And then once he got established, he was like, "Danny, you can come over here anytime you want mm. and use this office, use these edit, these editors, do whatever." You know what I mean? But it was like the first month of that new year because we had that talk on like December fifteenth. But that first month, mm-hmm. like. I'd had no videos. Like, nobody was, like, giving me shit. But then you just had to, like, keep pushing. Like, what do you have? Oh, you got Andrew 800 bucks? Cool. We could do a video. Oh, you got 1200 Cool. We'll do it. Oh, we'll do three videos for $2,000. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever it took, we were just going to, we needed the video. We didn't care about the money. I need the video. Because I need to send that video to the labels to show that we have videos. So I mean, it's crazy. And you hear about this um with a lot of people that are at that crossroads yeah. of who work under or work with very, very successful people right? and set out on your own. Yeah. And ultimately you're, you know, you come to that, that point where am I good because I'm with this person right. and I'm tied to their identity and right. their skills For sure. or am I actually dope? And do people think For sure. of me like that? Like, when I take that step out as just Danny sure. and not Danny and Paul, yeah, yeah, 
am I going to be that on that top level yeah. or sink to the bottom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I, am I actually good or yeah. am I just my own hype because for of this sure. person? It took, it took a while for people to not look at me as Danny Paul's assistant, but Danny, a director, like it took a while for people to like see that, but also believe like, mm. People didn't really believe until I started showing the work, you know, and even Paul, kind of, I don't know if he believed that first, but I remember there was a Janae Aiko video that I did and he he like watched it like twice and he stepped back and was like, yo, like, this is fucking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that point I was like, oh yeah, if Paul fucks with it, yeah, then, you know. How is that for your psyche and what did you need to find within yourself to give yourself not only the motivation, but just like the courage to become Man. you. That's crazy. And find out what even the fuck that was. Because it's scary. Yeah, it is. Right? But but what was it within you and how did you even begin hmm. to take that step? That's crazy. I think the the underlying issue of that is <coughs> is doing something that makes you happy. Mm. Like a lot of people work nine to fives. They could be fucking balling or not, but they work there and they get the money. But are they happy? Mm-hmm. And even when I didn't have money, I was still doing what I love. Mm. So I feel like me being happy and doing what I love kind of made me who I am because I don't create from a spot of monetary, you know, value or pub or buzz or whatever. Like sometimes the money isn't there and I will pull a favor or do favors. So I will do stuff not for the free. Like I don't, I I have too many bills to work for free, but doing what I love just allows me to be who I, who I am. For sure. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to work under pressure or create from a, a, an unrealistic spot. You know what I mean? A lot of people, go to work and you know they don't like their jobs for sure they have to act a certain way because of their job Mm -hmm. but i'm free to be who i am absolutely you know what i mean so i mean personal happiness is a is a monster in and of its own and i had to like tell my mom that for the longest Mm -hmm. like you know she'd see me struggling or she'd see me like making moves and then go three steps back but then go forward and come back but i always told her like look mom like i'm happy you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to CVS or wherever you want me to go. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Like, what was what was the turning point for you? Hmm. Right. Where you're still you're creating, you're having opportunities, you're, you're doing what you love. Yeah. There are moments where you're you're 10 steps forward, three yeah. steps back. Was there a time or a, a project where it was like the culmination of everything clicking hmm. and it was one of those like even like early on feelings of i could take on whatever the fuck y'all throw at me man that's crazy uh it was probably like a, a, a janae video hmm. and at the time you know from seeing paul and everybody use like the biggest cameras and, you know having million dollar budgets and all the production crew and then seeing people, you know, with reds and all these other things that I still wasn't even really using yet. Yeah. But creating something for Janae uh, for a song called 316 AM mm-hmm. and using a Canon 5D 
like and at the time everybody was using those yeah but me using that and then seeing that it went on mtv just from that small camera and then it got nominated for a whole bunch of other shit that kind of clicked to me like all right you're not the biggest or the best you know somebody's always gonna have a bigger camera to you yeah but what you did with what you have like that was like i really pressed the gas like at that point Mm. like once that video was done i sent it to get colored and like i forgot who it was but it was like some famous dp and he was coloring his movie there or his video there with the same colorist that i had you know i had paul call a favor like the same guy that colored pirates of the caribbean like he (laughs) had like his assistant like color my shit so like it was some dp in there and he was just like yeah let me watch that and i guess i wasn't there but they were watching the janae video and they were like trying to like pick out like oh he this is overexposed this is like they were picking at it yeah but the fact that they were talking about it and they liked it but but they still engaged you know what i mean that really like was a turning point like okay you have something mm-hmm. people are gravitate towards you and like want to work with you like now you got to go all the way so then i really just pressed the gas even more you know really reached out to every label i knew it was just showing the video around you know but um yeah i don't know i guess just a- achieving some some form of success for sure was really like it let me know, like, okay, it's real. Yeah, super yeah. validating. For sure. But also, like, leaning on what you said, too, you know, in all those years you spent with Paul. Yeah. You know, and I asked if you, you know, if you enjoyed it, right? Because, I mean, uh, for face value, it sounds great. Like, yeah. working with all these, you know, high-profile right. artists and entertainers. There were shitty days, too, though. For sure. Probably. And you th- get to see the underbelly of what for sure the, the echelon of excellence yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, also. those are just very tiny moments in yeah, between yeah. the actual work. Right, right, right. You know, and you have to... Um, you have to enjoy the other 99% of the grinding work mm-hmm. to get the product, the pressure, the, right. the quality, the long days, the yeah. long nights, the traveling right. constantly. Definitely. You know, you have to actually love that lifestyle. For sure. And then going out on your own, continue that drive, continue that that work ethic, continue to live amongst that because right. you already saw that. That's what great is. For sure. So to carry that into that life too. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when you say, you know, you're happy and that's such a cornerstone of all this, For sure. it, it really is, you know, yeah. um, even talking about like this validating moment for you, right? it's built on the foundation of you already enjoying so much of this, this yeah. world True. and this culture. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out because For it's sure. like, Thank you. yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of our guests, uh, our last guest, Joe, um, he was saying you, you really gotta like love to live in that. You have, you have to be, to. you know, some people are great at editing, some people are yeah. great at coloring, but to be a director yeah. and to find that, do you feel at that moment you became that director? Uh, in a sense, but also when we didn't have much, like I had to be more than just a director. Mm-hmm. I had to produce a lot of my own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I had to edit a lot of stuff and, you know, wear different hats. Yeah. But I, I think it, I was able to do that because, you know, coming up, I had to do so many different things. Absolutely. You know, and that even goes back to moms just having get it done, keeping, get it done, but also have an open mindset, mm. you know, showing us different, you know, things, different avenues. Like it's okay to like, 
go get somebody coffee. You know what For I mean? Sure. Like it's okay to like, you know, grind a yeah. little bit, you know? You seem to have always had the ability to not only just like soak in what you were embarking on, but finding surrounding talent. Right. And being able to position them. For sure. As you started embarking on your own individual journey, how did you go about building your team hmm. and building a culture around what you really wanted your company and your yeah. mark to really uh, be based on? Right. I don't even remember how I came up with the name The Top Shelf Company, but... In England, you know, all the porno magazines, the magazine are like on the top shelf, meaning, you know, little kids can't reach up there. It's yeah. Like it's not attainable. You okay. Know, when you go on a bar, the top shelf has all the best liquors. For right? sure. So like that, I don't remember how I made that name, but it was just like that name to me meant that I had to be on my best A game. Like I had to bring something to the table that was, you know, upper echelon that was better than the average. Absolutely. So like that mindset um when creating it was just like okay different people that i would work with if they didn't fuck up i'd use them again mm -hmm. you know i'm big on loyalty you know like mm. i had an amazing run with this one editor brian robinson we had like a seven year run where it was just me and him cutting wow. every single thing and i went back to him every time because you know you build that you build that chemistry with somebody you know what i mean where you can just keep creating new shit and they don't fuck up. So mm -hmm. it was like every position that I was needed in production, if you don't fuck up, I'm going to stay loyal to you and I'm going to just pluck you and just, mm -hmm. you know, so I was, I still do that to this day. Like me and Brian don't work together anymore, but the whole time I was grooming another kid who emailed us out of the blue, a kid from like, he's from, he was in the Bay, but he like lived down here or some shit. And I just tried him out and he passed the test. So I just kept going back to him, mm -hmm. you know? So I think just finding like-minded individuals yeah. who are willing to grind because directing and editing and coloring and coming up with film stuff is like, it's like, it's lonely and there's like some long nights and just dark nights. You know what I mean? For like, sure. Mm -hmm. For a while, like, I mean, now I try to go to bed around midnight, wake up at seven or eight, but for a long time, I was only sleeping from like 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. Just because... The city stops at a certain point. Absolutely. Like, your mind can just, yeah. you know, I can just press play on a computer and listen to a song without the phone ringing because it's 2, 3, 4 a.m. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, I don't, even, I don't even know how I got to that. But just finding people that, you know, are willing to grind. Absolutely. You know, and aren't looking to leapfrog to the top immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the people I gravitated towards. You know, people that know their role. And just, you know, not try to do it overnight. You know, those are like the real people. Absolutely. You know, cause there's a lot of opportunist people in the film game and in For the sure. music industry. But like the people that are really trying to build and learn are like the people I, I stick with. Absolutely. So. When it comes to the artists that you work with. Oh God. <laughs> um, how do you go about, how do you go about building a relationship and a rapport with Ooh. them? Yeah. And what is it that you look for in artists, yeah. in their creative vision, to align yourself yeah, that's with? That's a good question. Man, 
in terms of artists and music, I always tell people like I don't care how much money is on the table. Yeah. I'm not doing it if I don't like it. And that that mindset actually got me in some like heated conversations and arguments with like a lot of people. There was a record label that you know, they had a lot of they had a lot of street money. Like, you know, they would pay me a lot of money cash. And it got to the point where I would deliver it, but it got to the point where they felt like you know, Danny's going to do whatever we tell him to mm-hmm. because the money's there. Mm-hmm. But then there was just a couple songs where it was just like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. And yeah. they were just like, what you mean you're not feeling it? Like, <laughs> you have to do this. So it was like picking the song and the artist. If I'm not happy, I'm not doing it. And I think building relationships with artists is like, they have to feel the same way. Like, I don't want to work with artists that, are just doing it to put a video out. For I sure. want to work with artists that are doing what they want to do because they believe in it. You know what I mean? Like Janae, uh, you know, we I don't I don't even know how many videos I've done with her. It might be ten or something, mm-hmm. but just we were cool on like a personal level first. You know, like the first time I went to go meet her, you know, she was still on section eight. She was working at uh, natural foods in Culver City, whatever vegan spot that was. Yeah. She was just like, yo, like, come pick me up on my lunch break. We'll talk. Like, we'll figure it out. And just, we became friends first mm-hmm. and then business associates second. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I try to do that with artists, especially. And I, you know, just being myself, I think it helps just, just with that relationship. Like, a lot of times I'll bypass the label. And I'll call the artist himself. Like, yo, I heard that new joint. This is what we're going to do. Mm. And then we'll come up with it. And then we'll tell the label what they're going to mm. do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. So just being cool with artists on a personal level first is is key. But I, I always gravitate towards artists that are like, like-minded. like You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Are like me. But I, I definitely have to like the song or For like sure. them. In some shape, form, or fashion. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's also kind of like your reputation and credibility, too. Right. You know, that that's tied into it. Like, having, I think having your own thing. Yeah. Um, you have to make those decisions to be selective. For sure. Not just what makes you happy, but, like, what you're tying to. Yeah. You know, who, who are you working with? And because it's so relationship-based. Definitely. And people-based. I mean, the music business especially is such a people business. Yeah. Before anything. And you have to um, you have to align with it. It's, it's the like mindedness, but it's like it has to be one in the same culture, right? Very much so. Definitely. Have you thought of like you know the the person you're kind of becoming now yeah. as like a professional? Hmm. How's that changed from when you were just kind of like working with Paul, yeah. learning to going off on your own, and now like. I have my thing and yeah. I'm a professional in yeah. this industry. For sure. You know, um, jumping to that, that professional like persona almost yeah. where you're dealing with big deals, you're dealing with, you know, executives. Yeah. Was that a natural evolution or is that, you know, are you still trying to, um, to kind of figure that out? I think it was natural. And I just, even, the biggest artists, the biggest managers, the biggest teams, like 
I don't care about any of that shit mm. because at some point those people were like me. They didn't have shit. You know what I mean? So like I'll go in a I'll go in an office or wherever and I think it's kind of followed me throughout the years. Everybody knows Danny's going to say what he wants when he wants. Yeah. And he's going to worry about it later. Mm-hmm. Cuz I can be an asshole. If you don't know me, like I could say something that is very like, you know, simple, but it could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like followed me over the years. Like, yo, Danny's going to keep it real. He's going to tell you how he feels. Yes, he's doing it. No, he's not doing it. So going into meetings with those people, it's helped. And you've established a precedent. For sure. Like That's tough, man. <laughs> you Either way, whether you fuck with me or mm-hmm. not, you know where you stand with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was For like, sure. it, over the years, it just, it just progressed into like, I don't even worry about the big manager, artist thing about it. Everybody had nothing at yeah. some point. If you, you fuck know. with somebody as a human being, yes, it's gonna be for a sure. road travel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and people will feel that in a meeting for sure. You know what I mean? You'll know in a meeting if you know that person is rocking with you or not, or if mm-hmm. I'm real or not. Absolutely. You know, so it's helped, and I never try to live up to whatever was in front of me. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I know everybody in the industry. You know what I mean? It's like. We're all trying to figure it out. For sure. Still. For mm-hmm. sure. You know what I mean? Like, there's still people that'll call me, Danny, what do you think? I'm like, yo, you guys just sold a million records. Why are you calling me? I don't know. <laughs> like, so like, when everybody's still trying to figure it out. For sure. You know what I mean? I, I just, I still operate like that. Like, with speaking of everybody still trying to figure it out and as we all are continuously, yeah. I want to delve into kind of just like the personal happiness sphere yeah. in, the natural progression of growth and becoming for sure. Um, because you know, this, any entertainment grind or just personal journey, yeah. is highs, lows, emptiness, depression, just, you know, we may be connected to everybody, but still feel alone for sure. Were there moments that you went through those things and how did you kind of overcome them? Hmm. Because now you're also on a, a, on, on this tip of like healthy and bringing yeah. health into your life, you know, for, for sure. a point and I'm the king of fucking ebbs and flows in that category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? My fat ass. <laughs> but how were those times for you? And how did you get through them? And how do you look at also now being more grown in this process? Yeah. Do you look at personal happiness differently and value yourself differently Hell as opposed yeah. to that sphere of industry? For sure. I mean, you know, growing up when we were young, it was all about, you know, doing what we love, but, you know, being in hip hop, but also making money and just, you know, having fun with money. But it's like, as you grow up and start making money, you realize like, yo, like you have to be healthy Mm -hmm. to keep making money. Mm, For sure. You know what I mean? And I don't remember. I mean, my health thing kicked off with a bet from Anthony. You know Anthony yeah. Soleil. He manages Nas, Future, mm-hmm. Joey Badass, a bunch of people. And, you know, we, we were all just a group of friends hanging out, eating like freaking kings. We went to Dentai Fung in Glendale and like, you know, we got back to the house and like 
we realized like, yo, we're fucking fat. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's like bagging on each other. Yeah. You know, and then it turns into like, yo, I bet you can't lose 30 pounds in 30 days. So it's like, all right, bet a thousand dollars. So I took the bet. I won the bet. But I didn't want his money because it's not at this point. It's not about money. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm living for future generations at this point. Like I'm looking at like, okay, second house, third house. You know what I mean? What can I leave behind me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because we're getting older. It's just like cars, clothes, jewelry. Like none of that shit is like means anything. You know, personal happiness and health like right now is definitely huge on my list. Like huge and there were times where you know you i was very unhealthy you know you go on a record label they're like yo danny you want candy you want chips we'll order you this you want soda you want you know you go in a studio same thing you're on set it's like not the healthiest food no. so it's like i don't think i ever dealt with i never dealt with depression or anxiety or just any of that stuff i think my stuff has always been you know short temper and then you know you know, being super emotional, but also I would say like the most shit is like being unhealthy, Mm. you know, and like trying to, trying to get through that, but not really asking anybody for help. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause it's kind of like, yo, like Danny's always had the answers. He's always going to fight back. He'll figure it out. So Mm. it's like, you know, when you're an athlete, you're like, Oh, I could lose weight. Yeah. But it's just like, I never really was like, never told anybody, yo, I'm out of shape. Help me. You know, I didn't do that shit until this bet. Mm. You know what I mean? So for a long time, I was just like going through the years of just like making money and eating like an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like a, it's like a different type of being in like a, like a hole almost. Like for a, sure. Like there's, a, there's the dark cloud of your health sucks hanging over you. Mm. You know, and some, knowing it and knowing it. Like some people deal with depression or suicide or, uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of issues. Yeah. My thing was always like, dude, you're not in high school anymore. You don't look like you're in yeah. high school anymore. Like you're not. And healthy. you're just not feeling good. Not feeling good. Like there was a time where every day I'd have like a splitting headache. Like mm. every day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm talking like stupid headaches. Yeah. And that's obviously from not eating right and mm-hmm. not drinking enough water, mm-hmm. not working out. You know what I mean? I'd wake up, you know, I'd say I'd wake up. 11 a.m. You got a meeting at 12. What are you going to do? Like, oh, I'm going to go to 7-Eleven. I'm going to grab a chips off of the thing, maybe a cake or a cookies and a soda, (laughs) and then get in the car and then go to the meeting. Mm -hmm. But like doing that continuously or like going through Del Taco drive through before the meeting. You know what I mean? But nobody really understanding like how bad you're eating. For sure. But me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I, I dealt with that a lot, you know, and it wasn't until like this year where it was just like enough, mm-hmm. you know, like you're you're probably going to get diabetes or some crazy shit if mm-hmm. you don't get it together. You know, so like this year, I really just really pressed the gas on the health thing. Just cause I'm proud of you for that, though, for, for real. Sure. That's for incredible, sure. man. Thank you. So, yeah, it's, it's funny because everybody has their own demons that they Absolutely. deal with. But sure. I think that one, like when I was little, obviously the demon was, you know, parents breaking up. Yeah. 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 Angry issues and just being emotional or whatever. But as I got older, it was just like, um, you know, money. Like, am I going to have enough money to survive? Or like, how can I get more money? And then now when you get money, it's like, oh, your health sucks. 
So it's like a range of, you know, stuff to deal with. It's also like just I think we're we're so ingrained with that culture of like career, 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 get right. a job, get a job, make money, make money, be right. secure, all this stuff that you're like, yeah. I'll do that later. Yeah, I'll yeah. deal with my shit later. Yeah. Where you have to find a moment to re- to reverse those roles. For sure. And you realize, man. And hopefully it comes on our own accord and not like a, yeah. a life threatening event or like right. a cataclysmic moment. Right. No, absolutely. Right. And often when they do reverse you realize that it only enhances what you're already doing. It doesn't yeah. stop it. Right. You know, feeling like I'll get to that later. Yeah. I'm just going to be closed off and, and, and focused is it will catch up to you. For man. sure. For sure. It was, it was catching up to me for sure. Along with, you know, not being an alcoholic, but being able to drink and be able to operate mm. In like drunk states. Yeah. You know, like I drink one thing. I drink whiskey. Yeah. So there was like, you know, going out continuously and having five Jack and Cokes, Mm. but then driving. You know what I mean? So that on top of not eating right. For sure. Those two things is just kind of like. Recipe for disaster. I just (laughs) felt like, yo, something is about to catch you. Mm. And I, you know, I felt like that a couple of years ago and I took a break. Like I went two years sober, no smoking, no drinking. Mm. Just because I felt like my luck was running out. Mm. You know what I mean? And I just woke up one New Year's and was just like, that's it. And I did one year and then I was like, you know, what? I'm going to make it two years. Mm. You know, I saved a lot of money, but it was the most two boring years of my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I stopped. But it's like it, it took that thing to, you know, get it in control. It's like, Absolutely. OK, Danny, you can go out and have fun off no drinks. Balance, though. You can have fun off one drink, you know, and then Uber came. So now it's like, okay, you can have three drinks, <laughs> you know, but it's still, you know, I still like fuck up every now and then. For sure. Like I drove home like last night when I shouldn't have, you yeah. know, but it's like, those are the things that I feel like I'm focused on. Like mm-hmm. being able to like stay healthy, stay out of trouble, keep everything in order, be successful, but then do it for whoever's coming next. For sure. You know, I don't have any kids, but it's like at some point there will be kids, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like feel like I'm at the age where I'm thinking on those lines. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your sights for the future? Man, uh, I feel like I'm always do videos just because I grew up watching them and I grew up in the era of music videos. So I love them that much and I just love music that much. So even no matter what I go on to do, I feel like I will always figure a way to do a music video. For sure. Just because I love creating from that space, you know, taking an artist's vision and taking a song and then interpreting it my own way for a fan to like it. Mm. Like, I will always love that. But obviously, you know, sc- I've done screenwriting, done some stuff for TV, done a few commercials. But TV and film is where, you know, I want to be. Mm-hmm. So obviously those worlds, those doors are harder to knock down. Mm-hmm. But little by little, I'm like kicking some of those doors down. So it's like being able to write and then, you know, make movies is the goal, you know, and just I also just want to keep helping people. Like I'm already like talking to my boy who owns a summer camp, but I'm telling him like, yo, how can we get 10 kids, 10 cameras, 10 laptops and let's have like the film summer camp? Incredible. You know what I mean? Like for sure. And there's already like a couple people that, you know, are down to fund the idea. But it's like awesome. I'm all because I didn't have that growing up. Absolutely, there, there was nothing like that. Like there was like you go to a camp and you paint. 
Mm-hmm. But it's like technology. You know, a kid can go to Target, buy a camera, buy a computer. You can put something on YouTube. It'll go around the world. Like For we, sure. we didn't have that. For sure. So I just want to keep helping people and man, just keep creating for sure. Like I love it. Movies is where I'm at. I have no doubt that you'll be doing that, for my sure. brother. Yeah, Thank man. you, man. For real. For sure. You 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 have an incredible journey. You're an incredible human being. Thank you, man. And I can't wait to continue to see you blossom. For sure. Thank you. And reach your own personal and professional yeah. accolades. Same with you. you know what like we gotta do one of these. You gotta let somebody sit there to do yours here. Absolutely. Like, I know through the stories you guys tell, you guys elaborate on the things you guys went through, but for sure. You, we'll we'll get there. You should do an episode where you have two guest hosts Absolutely. and interview you two. You know it's crazy. You're the second person that brought that up. Yusuf wanted to do that. That also okay. oh he has a podcast too i think yeah cool yeah. table podcast now Word. but yeah that's definitely gonna happen for sure for sure it was a blessing to have you, you on my brother this was incredible for sure and i appreciate I you like just you, uh just being vulnerable with your story too and definitely. like you know i think one of the things we like to highlight on here is um those personal moments going, yeah, for going sure. through it it's you know and being able to kind of stare at yourself and, and be in the arena and, sure. and be like you know okay with who you are knowing that you got to get the fuck somewhere else Mm. true whether that is your career whether that's pivoting from a situation or whether it's like your personal health being like look everything is good but this is terrible for sure let me change that and i think for for people you know listening that are dealing with all these things and you know there's we all have like demons and things that that can you know, uh, influence the directions right, that we're sure. going in and, you know, success or money or all those things can often like cloud what you're doing. Definitely. But, so for happiness and health to be, I think your foundation yeah. and a, a really true through line of uh, your sure. story is something that's just this amazing for this platform. For sure. Thanks. So thank you, man. And God bless your mother, bro. For, for sure. Real. Yeah, man. Shout yeah. out to I hope one day sure. we're able to meet her, have you some will. food with her, take her out to dinner. You will for sure. She's like, she's like in Seattle and like Vancouver. Like she went to Seattle <laughs> and then Vancouver just to like go. I'm like, I love it. She's, she's amazing. I love she's it. She's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Sure. Where can people find you? Uh, the main company is The Top Shelf Company. Okay. Everything spelled out, thetopshelfcompany.com, which okay. is like the website as the directors and like our previous work. Got it. But then my personal Instagram is Top Shelf Junior. Uh, it's Top Shelf and then Junior spelled out. And then um, the Twitter is The Top Shelf Company. Okay. So, I mean, it used to be We Shoot People. Cool. Just because that yeah. was just my Twitter handle. Yeah. Like, We Shoot People. Yeah. And people didn't get it, but some people got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, it's about the camera. Like, For my, real. The yeah. Avi was, like, behind yeah. the camera. It's like, We Shoot People. But, uh, yeah, the thetopshelfcompany.com. Top Shelf Junior is the Instagram. Um, topshelfjunior.com is my website. Awesome. And then uh, the Twitter is the Top Shelf Company. Beautiful. For Crazy. Sure. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, bro. It's your two favorite uncles signing out. You know what I'm saying? Call your mother, tell her you love her. Shout out to AJ Roland for that. You feel me? For sure. Love. Oh, yeah.